Hey church, I'm so glad you're with us today, especially if you're a guest. Uh, please take a moment and fill out the online connection card. We want to send you a free gift to say thanks for joining us. And our prayer is that your first time, it won't be your last time. Now, I think it's just really important sometimes for us to celebrate huge milestones in the life of the people of our church. And this weekend, our favorite greeter here at Trinity Church, Beth Rusk, turned 50 years old. Beth, we love you, and we're so thankful that you're a part of our church. I hope you didn't miss the announcement about our Father's Day root beer drive through this Saturday. We're going to have root beer for everybody in your car, and honestly, our staff, we just can't wait to see your faces, even if it is just for a moment. So join us this Saturday night for a fun and free root beer as we celebrate all the dads of our church. Now again, we made the exciting announcement last week that right now we plan to regather as a church on July 12th. And I still know that some of you don't feel comfortable coming back yet, and that's okay. We're going to provide a wonderful online service for you each and every week. But if you're able, I pray that you'll join us on July 12th. There is nothing like coming together as a body of believers, even though we may be six feet apart, but coming together, worshiping Jesus with one voice, leaning into God's word together. Man, I can't wait for July 12th. In the next couple of weeks, you'll be hearing more about how to make a reservation, what you can expect for your kids and for your students, but I can't thank you enough for being patient with us as we work out all these important details. Now today, I have the privilege of having my good friend Brian Bigger from Colorado join us. Uh, Brian and I became friends uh, when we were serving together at Heartland Church in Indianapolis. Brian's a great friend, a great husband to Nicole, a great dad to his two little kids, and he is a great pastor. In church, I know the message that he's going to give to us today. It is powerful. It's going to speak to you. So open up your Bibles, open up your heart as Pastor Brian comes to share with us today. Well, hey, Trinity Church. As Pastor Jared said, my name is Brian, and I am so excited to be with you guys this week. And I think this is my third time hanging out with you, and I have to make sure I say this every time. I love your pastor. I have known him for so many years now. He is one of my closest friends, a brother in ministry, and I love this church. I wish so badly we could be hanging out together in person. I know you guys are gonna be opening up in a few weeks, and I hope that goes great, but just know that I just, every time I'm with you guys, I feel encouraged. I just love what God is doing here in Mesa through you guys. So thanks for letting me hang out for a couple minutes, and as we kind of dig in, there's just one thing you have to know about me as we get into what we're talking about. I am what you would call a planner. I love my checklists. I love to plan out the day. I have a calendar that is color-coded, which makes me feel very happy. Do I have any type A anal retentive types out there? You are my people. And the rest of you guys, we love you for tolerating us, but let's just be honest, we make the world go around, us type A people. But here's the thing. I love to try to plan the outcomes of my life as much as I possibly can. But if there is one thing I have learned about life, it's that almost nothing actually goes according to plan. I mean, you get online and you see the profile picture on the dating site and you start planning your kids' names, where you're gonna retire at, and then the date comes by. And reality does not line up with what you saw online. You were not planning for that. You start a new job, you finally get the raise, you're excited, a fresh start, new people to work with, and then you realize you're not working for a boss. You are working for a dictator. 
and now survival is just the goal. Do I got to be in here where you would say, you were so excited to move to a new city, you couldn't wait to get a whole new geography to figure out and try all the restaurants, and then you woke up and it was 113 degrees at 7 a.m. Now here's the thing, it's dry heat, so it's different, okay? And we got the same thing in Colorado, so I'm not taking any jabs. But here's the thing, guys. We can joke and have fun with it, but the reality is things don't go according to plan so many times in our lives. And I know there's a lot of us coming in today where you've been through a time in your life where you've had a child who went through something that you never could have planned for or expected. I know there's a lot of us joining in right now where you've done everything you can to save and build a nest egg and plan for retirement. And then something happens in your life that completely wipes it out and there's nothing you could have done to mitigate for that disaster. There's people watching right now where you have a marriage that's disintegrating before your eyes. And the last thing you would have ever planned for on that day you said I do was to be where you're at right now. And I think all of us, I see this more and more, we have in our own life or somebody we know who's very important to us, get a diagnosis where the only treatment plan is a miracle. Life just doesn't seem to go according to plan so many times. And I mean, if we haven't learned this already, just look at the last few weeks and months in our world. I mean, was anybody planning for a global pandemic and doing church like this and everything we've been trying to navigate with that? And then the minute you think we're hopefully making some progress with racial and social justice issues, we have a horrible act of brutal racism that has really fractured our country. This happens on all levels. And whether it is personal or societal or a health scare, there is something about when our plans are just totally disrupted, it, it just shakes the ground beneath us. It's really disorienting. It's scary. And yet what I think is even more important about this is the fact that sometimes God's the one who actually disrupts our plans. God has a way of <laughs> basically placing himself in the narrative of your life and starting to write lines in there that you would not have written for yourself. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because you'd say, yeah, I had a plan and my life was even going pretty well. And then God got involved and he kind of messed the whole thing up. And what I want to talk about today is just this fact that sometimes God will just take our plans and crumple them up and toss them out. And he rewrites the story of our lives. And there is some critical things we have to know about navigating this thing called life if we want to allow God to get involved with it. And before we really dig in to the Bible today, I'm just going to ask if we can just pray for a minute and invite God in. So Lord, right now, I pray you teach us, you encourage us, you challenge us. Just let us hear what we need to hear in this moment, Lord. We just submit ourselves to you and thank you for this amazing opportunity to gather all across this city. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Now, here's the thing. I want to talk about somebody in the Bible who is the poster child for changed plans. I mean, God totally got in this guy's life and mixed everything up. And we are still talking about him 4,000 years after he's been alive. I think you can make an argument that this is one of the most influential people to have ever lived. Three of the major religions tie their origins back to this man, and he has influenced more of our society than most people who have ever lived. And who I'm talking about is this guy, Abraham. Now, whatever you have heard about this guy or read about him, I just wanna take a fresh look because I think we're all gonna get something new out of this today. But if you look at Abraham's life, it is a template 
for how to navigate God's involvement in our lives and what he does with our plans and how he brings his plans into that. I think we have a lot to learn about how God works by looking at this one man's life. And so I just wanna look right at the beginning when we get introduced to this guy. So if you wanna follow along, we're gonna look at Genesis 11. I'm gonna start in verse 31. Feel free to follow on the screen, but this is just how we get introduced to Abraham. It says this, Terah took his son Abram. Now I already gotta pause right there, I'm sorry. Abram is Abraham, it's the same guy. His name ends up changing a little later. I'm gonna go back and forth with Abram and Abraham, but we're talking about the same guy, all right? So let's go back to it. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Now this is a perfect example of a verse you just gloss over in reading the Bible, right? Like that's the stuff you just ignore, the boring filler information, but I think there is so much loaded into what's happening here. Now you gotta see, this guy Terah is starting to take his family on this massive journey from their homeland in Ur of the Chaldeans to Canaan. And why that matters is Canaan is the promised land. It's modern day Israel. It's this geographical place that God has been using throughout history with his plans. This is huge with what's happening right here. And this is a thousand mile journey that they're going on. But look at what happens right here in this next line. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now this is about halfway into the journey. They take what was supposed to be a pit stop and they settle. Now, I think this next line is meant to be ominous and eerie when we read it, and it simply says this. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Terah set out on this journey to take his family to this new land, to this place that I think you could argue God started calling them to. He was supposed to be the one to get them to Canaan. And they land about halfway in Haran. They get comfortable. They settle in, and Terah dies there. Now, here's why I think this is so significant. So many times, we will start out on a path of following God, we'll be interested in the direction he has for our lives, and then we get distracted. We get a new boyfriend, we get a new girlfriend, the job starts to get busy, we start to accumulate some money, that gives us some options, and before we even know it, we have veered off the path God has for us. And the scary thing about this is, we sometimes don't even realize that when we are starting to settle, we are committing spiritual suicide. And we are disrupting the plans that God has for our lives. And this is kind of a heavy quote, I don't remember where I heard it from or who got it, but this was just kind of funny to me. Sometimes the miserable life you know is better than the unknown life you fear. Now, I just wanted to encourage you today, so I hope that lifted you up today. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. But I actually think even more than just miserable, if you replace that word with comfortable, I think sometimes we get to a place in life where we say, you know what? This is good enough. I can control this. I can plan for this. I can handle this. Why would I need to set out to anything where it could all go wrong? and I'm just gonna settle in here. But what happens is where we think we're making wise decisions and planning well and thinking about our future, we are killing the plans that God has for our lives. And I think Terah is a cautionary character in the Bible with how his story ends right there. But here's the thing, we hit this massive dead end in the story, we're trying to get to Canaan, but we pick it right back up again in the next verse and God hits the restart button. It says this in Genesis 12:1. The Lord said to Abram, 
leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, here's what I think is so interesting about this. It took a death in Abraham's life, Abram in this moment, for him to really get fresh clarity and direction from God. And as kind of morbid as it sounds, sometimes God has to allow things in your life to die for you to get aligned with him again. And so sometimes that job falling through, that really painful season, that relationship coming to end, that thing that just fell apart that you were really hoping on is traumatic as it was, and I know it was, that very well may be the pivot point that God uses to get you back on his plan. And I bet some of you guys, you're long enough in the journey, you'd say, say, that's exactly right, Brian. I went through a terrible season. I thought it was all over. I hated what was happening, and yet somehow God used that to get me in the direction he wanted me to go. And I think that's exactly what's happening here with Abraham. Now, here's the funny thing, though. When God calls you to stuff, um, he gets a lot of pleasure, I think, in not giving any of the details. There's no blueprint. There's no map. He doesn't say, don't worry, this is all going to be perfectly clean and fine. He just says to Abraham, I'll show you. You just start moving and I will get you there. And this is the thing that just frustrates me so much about walking with God. And it makes me think of my own parenting journey. Can I just be honest with you guys right now? I fantasize about my life pre-kids. I literally do. I had no idea how good I had it. I had so much extra time, I had extra money, and I had way more extra food. Can I tell you what my kids do to me? I can't even eat around my kids because the moment I take something out of the pantry and I turn around, there is a terrorist holding their hand out to me, holding me hostage, saying, if you don't hand the food over, there's gonna be hell to pay. And I can't even eat food around my kids. I'm literally hiding in closets eating food at my house. It's pathetic, but that's what it's come to. And here's the thing. When you start raising kids, it's an amazing journey. I mean, honestly, it is such a gift of God to find out you have a kid on the way, and it's an amazing, just amazing blessing. I get that. But what's so kind of ironic about the whole thing is you don't know anything about how it's actually gonna turn out. You don't even know if it's gonna be a boy or girl, what their temperament's gonna be like, which I'll tell you, it's gonna be pretty terrible for a while. I don't care how good your kid is. It's gonna be bad. And you don't know what problems you're gonna have in high school. You don't know what problems you're gonna have, period, because guess what? Their problems are your problems for the rest of your ever-loving life. Can you tell? I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out in Phoenix right now just to take a break from my kids. I don't know if you know that, but I'm just saying I need a little bit of a break. But here's the thing. This is what it's like to walk with God. God calls you into something that you could never possibly fully understand or appreciate. And as you start to venture out, you don't get the map. You don't get the blueprint. God just says, I'll show you. And here's the thing. I am convinced that God always calls us to something good and something better than where we currently are. I fundamentally believe that. But here's the thing. That does not mean he calls you to something easier or more comfortable or more fun. You dig into Abraham's life. He just spent months of his life traveling 400 miles to get to this place God called him to. And you know what happens when he gets there? This is what we see in verse 10. Now there was famine in the land. Congratulations, Abraham. You just traveled 400 miles. There was no Uber back then. All right, this dude's just making this trip. And he gets there and God's like, congratulations, 
you get to starve now. <laughs> Isn't it great to follow God? And here's the thing. If you follow the details of Abraham's life, he went from hardship to hardship to hardship. The famine comes. He has to go down tyrannical e to tyrannical Egypt and figure out all the political mess there. He has family problems. He gets in the middle of wars. There's just so much drama that he's constantly unpacking as he's trying to follow this plan that God gives him. It makes you just start to wonder, man, no wonder so many people are afraid to take a step forward. You don't know what this thing's gonna be like. And can we just be honest? This is what goes through our minds. You have a moment where you, you think God might be calling you into something. And the thoughts that go through your mind are just like, well, how, what's gonna happen? How's this gonna pan out? Is this even gonna be good for me? And I actually had a conversation with a friend in high school. I mean, this marked me so much, I still remember this conversation. And there was this girl who was a friend of mine, and she was a newer Christian. And we were just kind of talking about God. And she just had a real transparent moment with me. And she said, you know, Brian, I struggle because I'm afraid that God might make my life worse. Now, you hear that and you think, well, come on. Like, of course that's not true. God comes in your life, you get your forgiveness of sins, you get the hope of heaven, you got the Holy Spirit in your life, you're part of this amazing community called the church. Of course it's better, but can we at least understand some of her thought process? Because I get what she's saying. She's saying, Brian, I kind of like my life right now. And God's starting to involve himself and it scares me. I don't know how this is gonna pan out. At least I know this. What if God takes me to something I wouldn't have planned for myself? And I think that's the tension we all live in. And here's the thing though. There is a critical piece to this puzzle that we have to put in place if we're gonna understand the dynamics of what God is doing when he's disrupting our plans. And if you fast forward all the way to the New Testament, there's a letter called Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to give a framework for how to interpret particularly the difficult events in your life. This is what he says. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Now, this is what is so interesting to me about this verse. It doesn't say, hey, endure hardship as punishment. God is really mad at you. It doesn't say God is judging you. God is condemning you. It says God is treating you like a loving father, a perfect loving father, like his kids. And here's the thing. You can obviously push this too far, and there's limits to it, but it just says hardship, period. There's no modifiers or qualifying statements that like endure hardship, well, unless it's these things, because obviously you get an exception there. No, he's just like, if it's hard, know that God is being a dad right now. And here's what's crazy. It keeps going. It says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Now, we just saw that hardship was discipline. So you could almost say, God allows hardship in our life for our good. That's basically what this guy's saying. He's also saying there's a purpose into it, though. He's working a process in your life to transform you when he's talking about that holiness thing. Doesn't stop, though. No discipline. Seems pleasant at the time, but painful. So how do you know you're being disciplined? It's hard. There you go, there's your answer. It hurts, it's not fun, you wouldn't want it to happen. That's your answer. It's painful, but here we go. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those 
who have been trained by it. Now, this is key right here. This writer was writing in a very agricultural society, so they would have caught this immediately, but he uses this harvest imagery. And a fundamental reality of agriculture is there is a gap between when you plant the seed and you get to enjoy the fruit. And that gap is that hardship pain process that God is working out in your life to bring fruit and to bring power and to bring favor. And he's saying there is a harvest coming, but right now the seeds are in the fertile soil of pain and hardship with what God is working out. And here's the thing. If you look with this idea throughout the entire Bible, it is everywhere. I honestly, I don't even know if there's a single major character in the Bible that doesn't have this going on in their lives. Look at Joseph. Clearly has a call from God. Clearly has a purpose and a plan and a direction. And yet, he gets the unbelievable privilege of spending 13 years of his life as a slave and prisoner. You look at David. He spent his entire 20s running away from an insane king who was trying to murder him. Esther spent entire, basically her entire life as an exile, married to a power-hungry king. Paul, I mean, talk about somebody who was called by God and God had a plan for his life. He got tortured and beaten multiple times, spent years of his life in prison, and then got beheaded for his faith. And we can push this all the way to the ultimate end where you look at Jesus himself, the foundation of our entire faith, and he endured the ultimate hardship on the cross when he died for our sins. This thread is throughout the entire biblical history, and it is the same way God works with us. And I'm so nervous right now because I want to say something. It's going to sound super cliche. It's going to sound overly simplistic, but do not let that cause you just to brush this off. Don't let this go in one ear, not the other. This is essential for us to appreciate what God is doing in our lives. And this is the point. Pain is necessary for progress. Necessary. Required. And there are things God can only do in your life through large quantities of pain. And if we do not understand and embrace that reality of our faith, we will constantly resist and undermine the work of God in our lives. You know, I bet it was much easier for Tara, Abraham's dad, to just say, you know what? Haran is fine. We've gone far enough. I'm tired. I've done my best. I've checked the box. I've done my duty. I'm good. And for many of us, when you get in these seasons of hardship, you can sometimes talk yourself into saying, you know what? God wouldn't want me to suffer this much. This is definitely too much. I've, I've done my duty. I'm still going to heaven, but I'm tapping out. And I know there's a lot of us joining in right now where if someone were to ask you, how are you doing? You would say, oh, fine. But the more accurate answer would be, well, you know what? It's hard. It's really hard. I am not enjoying this season that God seems to have me in. And I want to say this with as much possible pastoral sensitivity that I can say. 
because I know there are so many circumstances represented with what's going on in our lives, but if you are somebody who is genuinely experiencing hardship right now, I, I just want to encourage you, do not give up. Do not tap out. Do not allow yourself to get embittered towards people or God. Do not just check out. Don't just decide this is enough and you're done. Don't settle because here's the thing. I guarantee you God is working out a process in the pain where the seeds that he's working are working in this fertile soil and there is a harvest coming. I promise you he is working on a harvest, but you have to press into the pain because it is necessary for God to bring the progress of his plan in your life. So just trust him in the middle of it, as hard as it is. And this is exactly what Abraham had to do. He had to go through this pain process. And if you don't know all the details, one of the real struggles in Abraham's life was infertility. He and his wife Sarah could not have kids. I mean, there's like multiple verses of the Bible where it's like, yeah, they ain't having kids. They can't. It's, I mean, it is, it is barren, if you know what I mean. I mean, this thing ain't happening. And yet God's saying to Abraham, hey, you're gonna have a kid. It's gonna change the world. This is what I've called you to. And for, listen to me, 25 years, 25, Abraham and his wife Sarah we're waiting and wondering and questioning and struggling and wrestling and really doubting in moments too. And after 25 years of the struggle, God's promise comes through. And they find out they're having a kid and a beautiful baby boy is born. And this is the complete resolution of all the struggle of their lives. They're thinking this all was worth it. We would have waited a hundred more years for this. This is the best thing that could ever happen to us. We could die today and be good. This is what we've always wanted and hoped for. They have this wonderful son. And you can just feel the happiness when you read through the story. And everything's come to fulfillment. And then God just drops a bomb on the whole thing. And you fast forward in Abraham's life, he's enjoying all the fruits of the harvest of this pain process he was going through. And it says this in Genesis 22 too. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Okay, no big deal, I'm going on a hike. Not so much. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Now, you should be reading that with total disgust. You should be cringing right now. How could God possibly ask this of anybody? You wouldn't do this to your worst enemy. I mean, there's practical jokes and there's pranks and then there's just cruel. And it doesn't matter how serious or not serious you are. You don't do this to somebody. And yet God is putting Abraham in this impossible position. He gave him this son. And now he's saying, sacrifice him? I mean, this is the stuff that people read and say, this is why I can't be a Christian. There is no way I would ever follow or worship a God that would do that to anybody. And track with me now for just a few minutes, because I get that. I mean, every time I read that, I squirm. One thing we have to understand, though, as we're reading through this, we just have to understand this. When Abraham was alive, it was normal and common practice for so many cultures and people groups and nations to see child sacrifice as a legitimate practice in their religious system. 
And I know that's so hard for us to even imagine, but this was commonplace. People were convinced that they would sometimes have to go to extreme measures and kill their own kids to appease these gods that they worshiped. And it sounds insane to us to even think about, but this was the reality of the times. And you have to know, though, there are multiple places in the Bible where God strictly condemns anything close to this. He is 1,000% against it. But what God is doing is he is using a cultural dynamic to put Abraham in a place to do specific work in his heart and in his life that can only be done with this kind of heat on him. And so God is using this opportunity and he conveniently says, even in this situation, hey, I'll show you. Just like I said, I'd show you to land. I'll show you how this is gonna pan out. Well, thanks God, I appreciate the details. And if you read through this story, it is agonizing to even read because it's this three-day journey and Abraham's son is asking him, hey dad, where, where's the sacrifice at? And he's carrying the sticks for his own self. And Abraham, you can feel the agony in his heart when he just says to his son, don't worry, the Lord will provide. And you can feel the tension in his own heart of wondering if this is it, if this is the end. Everything he's done has come to this moment in his life. There's a pastor in New York who, speaking of Abraham's life in this moment, he says, you're not a Christian until you've taken your hands off your life. You'll never follow the God who calls if you don't let go of the life you want. Abraham's in this moment where he has to let go of his plans. He can't manipulate it, he can't force it, and he's laying it all down. He's saying, God, you've brought me this far. I have no idea how this is gonna work, and I'm letting go. And I think there's an honest question we have to ask ourselves when it comes to these situations where our back is against the wall, and I think this is the question we have to ask. It's simply this. Do you trust God enough to obey and leave the consequences to him? There's gonna come points in your life where you have to make a very real decision. Am I gonna let go and release my plans and lay them in God's hands, or am I gonna resist and push back and choose what I know and what's comfortable? And here's the thing, obedience is our job, but outcomes are God's job. We have almost no control over outcomes in our life. All we can do is focus on God. This is what I know you're calling me to in this moment. I'm just trusting that you are gonna do something in my life where this is gonna somehow make sense. And Abraham, if you read this story, they go up to the mountain, his son's carrying the wood, and they get to the top, and he gets the sacrifice ready. And in the moment where he is lifting the knife on his own son, he's about to bring it down, God says, hold up! Don't you dare lay a finger on that boy because I know now that you weren't even gonna withhold your own son. I mean, you were willing to trust me with everything. Now I know what's on your heart, Abraham. And because you trusted me with your own son, I'm gonna bless you with generations and generations. God did something in Abraham's life in that moment that transcended time itself and we are still experiencing the benefits of. We had no idea what God was going to do that moment. He has multiplied the blessing generations and generations over. But I know still when we face these moments of impossible circumstances, it's so easy to say, well, 
God, you did it for Abraham, but are you going to do it for me? Are you going to come through? Is this where the bottom falls out? Is this where it just all comes to an end? Is everything I have been working towards falling apart now? And those are things that just race through our minds when we're in these moments, like Abraham was, desperate situations. And actually, I had my own version of this just in the last few weeks. You know, I've been in Colorado the last two years. I've been on staff at a church as a pastor. And my wife and I, we're not from Colorado. I grew up in Chicago. And we're moving out here. We don't know anybody. We don't have any family. We just believe God is leading us. And he's shown us the way. It's a huge faith step for us. We're working at this church. I'm going to spare you guys the details, but one little thing you need to know about me just to give some context is I am somebody who is deathly afraid of financial instability. That's just something you got to know about me. And like I said, you don't need all the painful details, but growing up, there's just fear of money all the time. Are we going to be able to pay the bills? Is there going to be enough? And I just got to a point in my adult life where I'm like, I never want to live in that environment again. I want to feel financially secure. And this church I've been working at, we uh, just earlier this year, just a, a land deal fell through, some land uh, building stuff was going on. There was a financial deficit and then COVID hits. And my mind starts playing out worst case scenarios. I'm like, well, geez, what's gonna happen? There's no way a global pandemic is gonna help our church right now. And I just started thinking of just the worst possible thing that can happen. I have a daughter who has serious medical needs and needs treatments. The insurance is essential and all these things are going through my mind. And then I get the text and it's the senior pastor. He says, Brian, we need you to come in. And I knew exactly what it was. And we sat down and he just said, Brian, you know what's been going on. We're starting to do layoffs. We, we can't afford to keep you. And in that moment, all of my worst fears came true. And I'm sitting in this thinking, God, did you call me all the way out here into a famine? Did you bring me all the way out here to die in this place? Is this my reward for doing what I think is what you want me to do? And I honestly just started to spiral emotionally and spiritually. I'm like, all right, I just got to figure something out. I'm freaking out what's going to happen. And of course, you know, this is never what you should sometimes do in your worst moments, but sometimes talking to your mom is the best or the worst thing. And of course, I'm on the phone with my mom. And she's like, Brian, if God doesn't come through in this, it'll be the first time in history he hasn't come through. And I said, well, get ready, mom, because God's about to make history, all right? I'm just being real with you. Can I be honest? And I just started getting desperate. I'm applying for jobs. I'm trying to make something happen. I'm, just, I'm like, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, all right? I got a seminary degree. It doesn't help you too much. And actually, there was a critical moment in this whole process where I just said, I have to keep my head focused. I have to truly stay <laughs> peaceful and calm in this. And so I made a document on my computer called Truth in the Test. And it was a reference to Abraham's experience when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac. I said, I need some truth and test. So I just made a list of all these verses that would lift me up and encourage me. You know, don't be anxious about anything. Pray and everything. Cast all your anxieties on God, all that stuff. But actually, I had one central verse that I read every single day, multiple times. And I declared and I declared and I declared. And it was the exact thing that Abraham said after God made a way out for him with Isaac and it's simply this verse 
Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. When Abraham was in the most impossible situation he could have ever imagined, and God made a way out, he said, I have a God who provides. In the hardest situations, in things I can't even figure out, I have a God who provides. And I prayed every single day, I said, God, I am claiming what Abraham experienced, that you are a God who comes through, you are a God who provides, you are a God who makes a way. And I didn't believe it most of the time, but I'm like, I have to lean on this. I'm just reminding myself and reminding myself. And two weeks into this whole process, I'm, I'm going through the unemployment application process. I'm getting ready for the worst. I'm trying to hedge my bets, figure out what are we gonna do about my daughter and everything she needs. I'm getting ready to work a night shift at FedEx just to hedge again any risk. And I get in touch with a ministry right in the area. And they start a conversation with me. And they call me up a couple days later to say, Brian, we really feel like God has called you to lead our entire ministry. Here is the offer letter, which comes with a great raise. Here is health insurance that will take care of your daughter. And by the way, we want you to start immediately. Can I just tell you something? I have a God who provides. I have a God who makes a way in seemingly impossible situations. I have a God who has a job in the middle of a global pandemic that will take care of every single little detail that God knows is going on in my life. And I know so many of us out there tuning in right now, you have your own situations where you're thinking, there's no way. God's not gonna do it for me. There's no possible scenario where this works out and I need you to listen to me right now. Take it from someone who has lived it multiple times and just recently went through this. I'm telling you, the Lord will provide. He will come through. He is for you. He is not against you. No weapon against you prevail. God has a plan for you, a hope and a future and you have a God who provides. I'm telling you, the Lord will provide. I don't care how impossible it is. I don't care how hard it's been. I don't care what kind of hardship it was. You have a God who comes through on every single level. And as we wrap this up today, I just, we gotta put this personal. We gotta make this personal. When we look at the life of Abraham, there's so much that God is trying to show us about our own life. And I just want us to ask some honest questions right now. Some of us right now, if you were totally honest, you'd say, you know what, Brian? I have settled. I've gotten complacent. I'm comfortable. It's been a long time since I've been out on the edge spiritually. And what you desperately need is you need God to disrupt your plans. You need to start asking God, hey God, I need you to start moving me because I am settled right now, halfway on the journey. And I know you've got more for me. Some of you right now, you are in a very real hardship and I'm not diminishing it. It is very real. But we have to lean into what God's word says, where he says, endure the hardship. God is loving you. He is caring for you. And he is preparing a harvest in your life that you can't even imagine. And for so many of us also on here, you have something you desperately need to have happen in your life. You need God to provide. You need him to do something. You have no other options. And you have to know this. What God did for Abraham, he will do for you. And the reason I can say that with such confidence is 
while Abraham was bringing his son up to the top of that mountain, carrying the wood, getting him ready for a sacrifice, God made sure he never actually had to do it. He said, I'm so glad you were willing, but don't you dare touch that boy. 2,000 years after Abraham was alive, there was someone else who walked up the hill, but he wasn't carrying some sticks, he was carrying a cross. And it was God's son, Jesus, fully man, fully God, sinless and perfect. And God wasn't just willing to sacrifice and put it all on the line for us. He paid the ultimate price. And Jesus died in our place to set us free from all of our sin in a hopeless eternity. And God did everything for you. He provided everything you could ever possibly need in Jesus. So when God comes and disrupts your plans, because he will, no matter how hard it is, no matter how uncertain it is, no matter how difficult or scary it is, you need to know this. The Lord will provide. Amen. Let me pray for you as we close. God, I pray for every person right now. Whatever we need in this moment, I pray you would do it. Let us learn from how you worked in Abraham's life. And I pray we would trust you in the middle of hardship, in the middle of uncertainty, that we would be able to declare with confidence, the Lord will provide. Amen. Man, what an incredible message today by Pastor Brian. And if you hear God speaking to you, let us know. Fill out that online connection card. We'd love to send you an email giving you some clear next steps. And you know, one of the great next steps here at Trinity is the growth track. It's a four-week process to help answer some of your questions. And right now, the month of June, my wife and I are actually hosting an online virtual growth track, and you can join at any time. So we'll send you a link. We'll send you some information of how to get connected. So again, fill out that online connection card, and we'd love to invite you into our home this next Wednesday, Wednesday night. And church, before we sign off, it's time for the offering. Aren't you excited about that? I know you are. Thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity um, these last several months and even into the future. You're making an incredible difference. We're able to do great ministry. So thank you for giving, however you give, online, in the mail, through your bill pay. And thank you for your amazing generosity. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over you before we sign off today. God, thank you for these amazing people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their hearts and in their lives. And God, we just take a moment and we say thank you for this incredible lesson from the life of Abraham. Thank you for being a faithful God. Now, I pray uh, the people of Trinity Church that we'll have the best Sunday afternoon we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I love you. Hey, I can't wait to see you Saturday night for the Dad's Root Beer Drive-In. See you then. God bless you.